1: Gang here, rocking with you on a Saturday. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. To... So uh, one, I, I don't know that we're really rocking, Jeff. And two, there's only two of us. I I don't know that it's fair to call us a gang. Um, um, I like to think I like to think of it as the Saturday morning posse. You and me riding alongside or walking alongside with whoever's listening to this fine podcast on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and. We're, we're with them. We're walking with them, probably on a Sunday morning. Because It's you, more
1: the, it's more yeah. of a collective, Chris, than a... <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the Shake Them Ropes Collective. The Shake Them Ropes Collective. We're going to have an autonomous zone. It's going to be great.
0: It, um, You know that <laughs> band Animal Collective?
1: Uh, I know of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, they were when, when oh, I was in college. Hold
1: on. <laughs> never ask Jeff anything after, like, 95, I think, or 2000 in terms of well, music. Well, Animal Collective's
0: not, like, super new. Um, I, I mean, know. They're, yeah, they're, they're still active. Um, Just but never like,
1: listened to them, I don't think.
0: Uh, they're also nationwide. What's kind of what's interesting about them as, like, a group, like, they literally are a collective. Like, there's a guy who leads it. I forget what his primary instrument is, but um, they really do just assemble different people inside of the Animal Collective group. And, uh, you know, they, they do actually kind of work as a uh, collective.
1: So it's like a Steely Dan type of thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like a modern – it's it's not um, – Steely Dan It was, like, really super centralized in that one studio. And I think Animal Collective is a little bit more – you know, they'll, they'll go all over the place. Um, uh, and also Steely Dan really was between – oh, God, who are the two guys in Steely Dan? Help me out here. Walter, Fagan, Bec-
1: Walter Becker and Donald Fagan.
0: Yeah, Fagan and Becker. Yeah. So, like, you're really working around Fag- Fagan and Becker, and Fagan and Becker are bringing in, like, the New York Yankees of, like, just heavy hitter guitar players and stuff, and heavy hitter bass players, heavy hitter drummers. Um, and Animal Collective, like, it's like super wide range of instruments. Um, they, you know, they grab, they do this for this, and they, they'll use these guys for that. Um, and I knew I actually ended up kn- knowing a couple of guys in Denton who were in it, which was not that big of a deal, because I think at that point, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of a big deal. You're in like a band that people know, but there was also like 40 members of the Cannibal Collective at that point. So it's not like they ever got to like a group studio or whatever. You know, they were working sectionally.
1: It's kind of um, it's kind of the origins of the Dave Matthews band a bit. They you know, they were their first concert was my first year uh, orientation at UVA. And then, you know, they had guys playing jazz at a bar down here, and they kind of pick and chose certain musicians, and then it was like they eventually paired it off to what it was going to be, but yeah, it's it's interesting to watch uh, evolutions of bands and things like that, I... I don't know how to get a good segue back into wrestling. So uh, well, I,
0: I, well I, I can segue into myself here. I recorded some music here over the last few days. <laughs> I'm like three songs into an EP, Jeff. I forgot
1: this is a us podcast, not a wrestling
0: podcast. You know what? People connect with the hosts. They they want to They buy true. into the, the brand of the host, um, and, and they want to. They want to. They want to be our friends, Jeff. And I think we should let them in.
1: They want to be your friend. I, I get nothing but abuse from people online.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it's fair. I I, 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 it's true. Like, other people, I'm, you're more recognized and more, um, like, people know you better. Um, and I guess in your case, to know you is not to love you. But I love you. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oddly enough, the only people I get crap from are people who who are connected to us. It's it's like it's Cody and Trisha. And
0: that's... Well, yeah, but like, I mean, Cody barely counts.
1: Wow. Ooh. I'm going to get a DM on that. Um,
0: oh, 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 because Trisha counts more?
1: Uh, No. I'm going to get a DM from Cody Seeds is what I'm saying. Seeds planted. Yeah, that's true. Uh, So where to begin in this fine week? Well, let's start with news. Former Etsy chief financial officer Christina Salen has been appointed CFO of WWE. I think it's as good a pick as any. I do admire that WWE kind of goes outside to the normal business world to run their financials. I, I wish they'd pick a TV executive, but I don't think any TV executive doesn't want to be in real TV.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of it, and I think it's I think it's one thing to have um, an outside financial person come in. I think it's a, it's a smart organizational move for them to do, but it's also like, I think it's about as much outside stuff as Vince can really tolerate like he, he can handle a certain amount of it but the, but we also see the other kind of countervailing move of going with trusted hands and people who are comforting figures to him that he knows
1: yeah it's like you can give me advice up to a point
0: right 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 um and I think he knows well enough I mean maybe honestly maybe what it tells us is that uh, the people who could help him out on the financial side that he really trusts are just simply no longer in orbit.
1: Yeah, I, I think he, he kind of just goes through people until he's like, well, they're not going to tell me anything new. And then kind of finds a way to get rid of them.
0: Or he burns out those people.
1: That's true. That's very true. You, <laughs> What? No, nobody gets burned out working for Vince McMahon.
0: Yeah, no, he's totally not a management style that, like, burns through people and, like, burns the bridge. <laughs> he keeps burning, burns the bridge as long as he possibly can stay warm off of it until it's absolutely just ashes.
1: Speaking of expanding the brand, Alexa Bliss will be starting a podcast called Uncool with Alexa Bliss, where she will interview celebrities about their prior nerddom. I have thoughts, Chris.
0: Yeah, so I think launching an interview show is always risky business, daddy. Um, Because (laughs) especially if you have not actually done interviews before, because you think doing an interview is is going to be very easy. I was actually I was talking with someone uh, who's a podcast host as well. We were you know, lamenting the difficulties of doing interviews. It's tough. You've got to listen to the people. You've got to actively take notes. You have to think about where you're going next. And more importantly, you have to get a steady string of guests on who are interesting. And that can be very tricky. And if your guest isn't interesting... That sucks, but then you have to come in and compensate and be interesting or find a way to coax that out of somebody. All of this is to say that I would never recommend to anybody to start off doing an interview podcast first if you're getting into like doing a podcast. Start off doing a conversation show with like you and your buddies, and you talk, and it's not necessarily clear who's the leader or any of that stuff until one of you, hopefully you, you, um, get comfortable enough on the microphone that... You can then start thinking about okay, if I was doing an interview, how'd this go? Because you'll you'll prepare questions, but you also want to listen to what your guest is saying, so that if something interesting is said, you can ask an interesting follow up co- question and go back around to your questions on your little sheet. All that stuff's going to take practice, um, and so this is our first foray into the podcasting world. I'm not super hopeful. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe she bops it out of the park. Maybe she's like a Mark Maron type, um, and uh, you know, ends up kind of like finding something for herself. Uh, but but I wouldn't bet on it.
1: Well, the thing about Maron is he makes every interview about himself.
0: Yeah, too, and, and also Mark <laughs> Maron for a long time because I I was listening. I, I'm old enough and uh, study enough hand of the podcasting business. I was listening when he launched that show. Where he really hit his stride and where they really started doing the numbers is the early in the show monologue, where he would just talk about his life, trying to get his life back together. At that point, he had four cats and he was trying to work stuff out with his uh, new girlfriend. And I think now he's married to her or whatever. But like uh, that Chris, part of the what?
1: Chris, the new girlfriend just recently passed away.
0: Oh, did she? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Because, see, I, I'm kind of out of the loop. <laughs> Golly, well, my condolences. Sorry, sorry, yeah. I didn't want to go down no, that road. <laughs> well, but he did get married to her, didn't he?
1: Um, no, she was. Uh... See, the only thing I can remember about the girlfriend is she's she was married to Kevin Seal, from MTV, which is just a random fact in my head that I shouldn't have out there. But no, I believe, I believe they were just cohabitating.
0: Okay, okay, all right. I mean, these th- these things happen. But um... I, I
1: do think I I think you're comments i mean it's it's been a problem here on shake them ropes in some of the days when we'd have interviews and it was mostly just to plug something and they didn't want to get away from that but it was so hard coaxing a real conversation out of people because they were guarded And you're exactly right you have to you have to be both interested in that person and that person has to be interesting um long time long time listeners will know that the toughest interview that this that this show ever had was, we decided we decided to cash in our favor with Dave Meltzer um, on the day that Nick Bockwinkle died, and there was just no way that Dave was gonna be in any mood to talk stupid WWE crap on that day. So I I called an audible midway through there and said, hey, let's talk about Nick, and then Dave kind of opened up. And it was great, but man, it was rough sailing on on that one. I, I here's my problem: I don't think celebrities. Most celebrities, like you get a few, you get a few that were real outcasts, but you have to have a certain amount of gregariousness to really make it in Hollywood. You're not going to be one of those (laughs) angry shut-ins who are on the computer Friday and Saturday nights in high school and then all of a sudden blossom. Blossom out there. You know, the no, no, theater
0: is, types think they're nerds, but they're not actually nerds because they're involved in a heavily social activity that is theater and a heavily social dynamic that is theater.
1: I love Bliss. I think she's great. I think she's self-deprecating given given that she is a very very attractive woman. She is very grounded for that. Because you could you can always take that and let go to your head and just be an absolute monster. And I don't think she's that at all. If you watch any any of uh, behind the scenes stuff, she's very connected to her hometown. She's very connected to her old friends, which is important to me. I, I think the, the 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 thing that you see is if people become celebrities and all of a sudden they have a new social circle, then they never they they, they you know it, it's a it's a time honored story in Hollywood that you dump all your friends who helped you get there after you've made it because you're looking to continue the ascent. Um, but I, I just don't like, there was a rash in the mid aughts of very attractive people basically putting on glasses to buy into nerd culture and say, I was a nerd in high school. I read a comic book and you just kind of go, yeah, but you "You were still captain of the football team, that, that kind of thing
0: yeah or as I was saying in the theater department and therefore interacting with a steady circle of friends like to me when you say nerd, it is the person who does not go out on Friday or Saturday night the person who cannot get a date uh the person who spends a lot of time behind the computer or the television
1: or um, they that, or they will hang out with their like look i'm a, I'm a two bit friends. Of a ba- I'm a marching band geek so I mean we'd all get together and watch movies and <laughs> yeah that's kind of it.
0: The Stranger Things kids where you like all are just hanging out in the basement or whatever. Like those kids are nerds.
1: Chris Ray Mysterio has been working without a contract for a couple months now.
0: I'm assuming he's getting paid. Do we know how uh, much? Like, yes, do we have any a... idea of what he's making like per show?
1: I have no idea. It's a handshake deal.
0: Interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that that per show number is good for him. He might like this uh, given, given COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And the way that, like, WWE in particular has been sloppy. Let, let's be nice and just call it a sloppy response thus far. Um, he might like the flexibility that he has right now on this handshake deal.
1: I think it's mostly to help Dominic.
0: That's also true.
1: I think, look, you look, you can't ever deny fathers want to take care of their sons. And... I, I know a lot what, of people are that's going, really man,
0: what high wattage was about, Jeff. <laughs> you know, you, you'd ask me sometimes, Chris, wh- what is high wattage hey, about? When are you
1: going to update that by the way? Cause our Patreon is still out there and we still have like 10 people on it.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Let's, uh, I'm going to do another episode of high wattage. Uh, okay. yeah, no, I, I think it'll come back. Cause really high wattage you'd ask me sometimes. And, and it's true, Jeff, it's really an exploration of, of a father's love for a son. And oh, get it no, together!
1: I, I, and gotta hold, to yeah, I gotta recover to that. Yeah, recover, recover. Oh, bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> god, but everybody's like, "Well, man, Tony Khan should pay him a whole lot to jump." I'm like, "Yeah, but you gotta understand a few things. Ray is, Rey is a god in WWE right now because they don't have real stars. He, he's, I, he's yeah, and he's out also I mean, his he's coverage so right now. influential. He, yeah, he's out kicking his coverage right now on this push." Because really he should be putting over younger guys right now. And he's in the midst of basically their second top-tier feud on Raw. Yeah, he's in a like a high
0: profile feud with Seth Rollins. Now, granted, like Seth Rollins is in at a lower profile, but like it they are anchoring the middle of the show with Rey Mysterio right mm. now. It's Spe- a weird time in WWE.
1: Speaking of which, Chris, WWE has come out and officially said that the match between Ray and Seth at Extreme Rules, the horror show. Someone actually has to lose an eye. Uh,
0: this is going to be one of the weirdest live event pay-per-view thingies, whatever you want to call them these days. That they have done in a very long time when you like look at the card from the bar fight to the horror show with Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman to now an actual eyeball coming out I mean
1: it's a code of Hammurabi match eye for an eye
0: yeah like okay so <laughs> why even make this promise because they're like I, I they're not going to get access to a real eyeball uh, i can't wh- where are they going to go to a hospital and be like <laughs> to go to a morgue and be like how much for a human eye
1: hold hold on you are looking <laughs> You have you have added a level of depth here that even this Road I Dog comprehend. knows somebody. Oh, they they're going to fake pulling an eye out, but they need to use an eye for the real prop. Chris, come on, well, a cow's eye? No, Chris, they're gonna use a marble, a white marble or something on a. That's rubber not a band. real eye.
0: No one can see through a marble.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, I, I have seen an eyeball come out during a match, but that was Vader and Stan Hansen.
0: Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Hard way it. That's what I'm saying.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll just pop right back in there. Is no Ray going
0: to have to wrestle blind? Because is, is the, the, I was trying to think about how does this play out. it plays out that Seth Rollins has to wrestle with an eye patch, which I think he'll hate. Um, and I, I think Ambrose was complaining when he had to wrestle with an eye patch. Like it was It was not comfortable for him. It seems to me the easier finish to this match is that Ray, from here on out, wrestles with, like, sunglassed-out uh, eye parts on his uh, mask. Uh, but is he going to then feign being blind, or are they just going to take out the other eye again?
1: No, Chris, I figured out the <laughs> ending to this match just now.
0: Dominic's eye?
1: Uh, Red Rider BB gun shoots his eye out.
0: <laughs> I like it i like it
1: (laughs) stay tuned for a christmas story here no that's actually uh that'd be an aew finish um (laughs) well christmas story is over on tnt now yeah I, i i think dominic turns i think that's the only answer here and then helps helps put ray out and then ray goes on the shelf for a while
0: yeah I, I think that's right. I mean, when we talked about what's the best angle for Dominic, the best angle for Dominic is to turn heel on his father and then try to build this, some sort of match between father and son where, you know, Ray essentially puts his kid over.
1: <laughs> oh, they script those correctly. Um, oh,
0: yeah, for sure. No, I, I mean, they, they won't they won't do a good job of that at all. Um, but <clears throat> maybe Ray has, maybe Ray actually has this kind of mapped out in his head and he can have a more active hand on it.
1: That's true. I, I don't see him jumping to another company unless someone Unless he could up.
0: push Dominic.
1: Yeah, and or a Brinks truck. One of the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean I could see I, it's not impossible to me seeing him going over to AEW, but it would it he would do it it was the same reason he was doing it with Lucha Underground, like when Lucha Underground had Rey Mysterio. They had Rey Mysterio, but like the real point of having Rey Mysterio there was to get Dominic exposure.
1: Wednesday night skirmish talk NXT 759,000 AEW 750,000 AEW though wins the night because they have the 18 to 49 demo 0.28 to 0.20 um both metrics down for both brands uh, AEW's AEW-
0: overall number is actually now below NXTs they're just they but they're hanging on to that demo
1: Yeah, and... That
0: that lead in the demo. Let's not say hanging on to that demo, because that implies an overall raw number. What they're hanging on to is a market share of a demo that is reducing between both brands, because AEW and NXT, since the start of... Since the... Remember when it was a war? You called it a skirmish. I think that's accurate now. But it started off as a war where both had like a million plus. Or we were talking about, you know, winning was having a million plus. I remember the framing. You can go and pull the receipts for other people as well. That's what we were talking about. Both brands have now steadily been... Around seven hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand, sometimes as low as six hundred thousand. This is not winning. Um, there is not attrition being made on the battlefield of television right now. They're losing ground. Both brands are losing ground. So when you see people like Tony Khan and Chris Jericho and others in the commentary talk about the demo, yeah, it, it, it's yes, you're beating NXT, but both you guys are losing.
1: In a way, TNT's still very happy. Because they haven't had a show since I think Rizzoli and Isles that has really finished top ten. They they are a network
0: They were network struggling for an identity
1: though. I don't understand that at all because they used to be a powerhouse. And...
0: Sure they sure did. Um and it's particularly in the nineties. Um and it wasn't just because of W the thing with like in the nineties is it was like people watched T N T all day, right up to and including wrestling. Um because yeah, they also had like Thunder in Paradise and you know, they had other shit on there.
1: I mean, right now they have supernatural and bones on like six times a day. I think um.
0: <laughs> it's also the nature of consuming television has changed. So, like yeah. AEW has given TNT a property that is exclusive to them that people must like actually want to watch. Um, that it's a must-watch brand. Um, even if it's doing small numbers. Um, but that's also true with what WWE has been steadily providing the USA Network for a long time, and also USA has been building themselves out with other shows, the whole kind of character welcome push, you know, going all the way back to Monk. Remember Monk?
1: Yeah, Monk was, well, USA has always had, uh, when they got into original programming, they they hit something, and then they just over-expanded way too much. There, there was yeah, the whole... Yeah. I'm an expert in my field, but I'm not an expert in my love life type of shows. Uh, so there was...
0: the, the push for that was um, characters welcome.
1: Characters it, welcome, yeah. Yeah, you, you had yeah. you had suits. You had what was the one with Matt Bomer? Um, I, I can't remember. There was the, that show. There was burn notice. And then they did, like, the Sarah Shahi one, which is the one that I remember. It's like, she knows relationships because she's a relationship therapist. She just can't keep things going at home. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Uh, you know, those those types of shows.
0: But, but to, to bring it back to the skirmishes here, I, I mean, I think the big problem for AEW is the main event numbers here where the ratings really tilted in NXT's favor.
1: Yeah, they they do better builds for their main events in NXT. I I hate to but say that, but they lost a hundred
0: thousand viewers, didn't they? Over like that. I mean, they yes. they w- what appeared to be channel flippers, people who were like, eh, Orange Cassidy, Jericho, or Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. I'll go with Keith Lee and Adam Cole.
1: Yeah, I think the I, I, oh uh, Cole and Lee did nine twenty two. Yeah. Y two J Orange Cassidy did six seventy five.
0: That's not good, and you can't really spin that one.
1: Right. But other and, than and maybe also, maybe
0: the admin won't notice it.
1: And I think there are also there's there's a lot of people that are just localizing this to Wednesdays because I I have the Raw numbers in front of me and we are we are decrying what the second lowest ratings in history for Raw.
0: Yeah, this is and not a hot brand. That's that's the conventional understanding. Yeah,
1: but their combined demos: point five one, point four nine, point four eight. They're women. In,
0: that's in the demo.
1: No, that yeah, that's the combined demos. demo. The demo. The demo. The demo.
0: Oh man, and that's better than AEW, you say? The,
1: the women's demo is outdoing AEW right now. Point three three, point three zero, point three one. Men's demo: point seven zero, point six eight, point six four. And and that's what that's the forest from the trees argument. I yeah, I don't,
0: all the arrows are mostly going down, and you're pointing to the one arrow that's going up and going. See, it's going great.
1: Yeah, that that's my. Then you can't combine to SmackDown because SmackDown's on broadcast TV and. If I'm Fox, I'm looking to dump it. I really. Oh have. yeah,
0: well, it's also in like the Friday night dead zone, uh, which is like comparatively less dead right now because people aren't going out on Friday night. But I mean, it's not a great show. Uh, it hasn't been doing great numbers, and one could only assume whatever the coronavirus lets up for, I'm not even saying for the entirety of the country, I, you know, like that, that could be a long time, but there'll be certain places where people will be able to go out more, uh, you know, uh, in, in more remote States and stuff at some point here in the future. And that means Friday night viewership's only going to go down across the board. Like this is just not a property. I think Fox needs to hang on to.
1: Right. But I mean, value over replacement. I mean, the problem yes. was Tim Allen made. Tim Allen made his show a hit on Friday nights, even if it was an older demo. Um, it was still a hit on the overnights, and then they replaced it with SmackDown, which is not a hit. And yeah, yeah,
0: and I think it also misunderstands who's the market on Friday nights. That's that true. older that older demo is your market on Friday nights. Uh, this is not to endorse you know Tim Allen's show or whatever, but like his show was marketed correctly, in my opinion, to the audience that was available to you on Friday nights.
1: Right, and there's some weird nostalgia where people are going to go back to the Friday night ABC lineup or the 80s NBC Friday night lineup with Miami Vice at 10 p.m. being a big ratings hit for a few years. And I just don't think... I think the nature of television has changed.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I I mean, I, I, I also think a more savvy promotion right now would be kind of seeing that and being able to produce your own product in-house and even have it as like an on-demand service like that's not a horrible way of doing this you have a live run on on the internet but people are just the cord cutting is going to continue
1: well here's another thing that a lot of people just don't talk about enough to me it's it's a talking point but it's not hammered home enough there are businesses in television right now doing professional wrestling better than professional wrestling. Reality TV does professional wrestling better than professional wrestling. Yeah, does. like
0: Chris Lee knows best is professional wrestling.
1: Um was it this what, what is the name of this show that I'm trying to think of right now? The one under uh Below Deck. Mediterranean, you have your you have your baby faces, you have your heels. You put them in storyline and they eventually con- conflict. I was gonna say conflict, but I don't think that's. I, I'm putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. No,
0: for um, sure. But the <laughs> the babyface heel dynamic uh, over the last twenty years. Because it's not even you're saying right now, but I, I think you can. This goes all the way back to Survivor, right? Like the first yes. season of Survivor with Rudy. Rudy was booked as a heel, and so was Richard Hatch. Oh, Richard Those Hatch!
1: Got- was, no, Richard Hatch was the heel. Rudy, Rudy was, was a, a was a reluctant heel.
0: Okay, okay, and then, all right. And
1: then you had Susan, who I remember was, was kind of the Tully Blanchard of it, or Kelly, I think was her name, was the Tully Blanchard. You had a couple of women in there that, were, uh, that, that weren't that were exactly the, the – they weren't the brains of the operation, but they went along with it. So you had the – basically you had a heel stable yeah, on for a sure. reality TV show.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 I mean, they, they went hard How into I that. How do I know
1: this without ever having watched an episode – Is also just a testament to how strong this is in pop culture.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And I watch, I watch that, and I mean, I've seen seen subsequent shows, but like, they, I mean, babyface heel booking has now rippled into many other facets of television. Right down to The Bachelor.
1: The Bachelor is nothing but pro wrestling. Big Brother is nothing but pro wrestling.
0: But, and even a lot of television news presentation, especially like oh,
1: and, politics is nothing but pro. Y- yeah, wrestling Yeah, yeah,
0: like, like the CNN presentation, like that is that is a pro wrestling presentation. But your
1: version of who a babyface and a heel is depends. On it, your no, you. Mindset. That's the, it's a choose your own, it's a choose
0: your own adventure. That's on true. Who who, who the babyface? But the most important part of that, Jeff, is that both like when when they bring on their guests. Their guests are always sort of orthodox, and therefore, like you know what I mean, like they're there to not agree with each other. They can um, cut
1: promos on each other too, which, exactly. which you can't do it in Pro wrestling anymore. It's so oh god. Just just watch real life, and you can see it, and it it, just, it drives me nuts because I think either of these shows when you this goes back to demographic talk. If you're looking for young men to to talk about you in the zeitgeist nobody ever talks about i mean wrestling fans talk about great wrestling matches but when you talk about wrestling at the quote-unquote proverbial water cooler that may never exist again because we're all working from home what are you doing you're 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 saying rick flair or rock or steve austin catchphrases
0: catchphrases that that was huge good theme songs also huge i, I mean It's crazy to me. It's like you hear Jeff Hardy's theme song, and like I'm super lukewarm on Jeff Hardy, but like that dude had a great theme song, has a great theme song. Like that, and that's not even a WWE uh, house made piece of music. It's just um, this, this, a lot of the stuff was more resonant. Um, Randy Orton's theme, I think, would, would be 90s caliber and would, you know, still sticks with people. A lot of people know RKO. Um, a lot of people like the younger, younger generation is into the RKO. Um, but for example, John Cena's gimmick is cool to kids up until you get into puberty. And then once you're in puberty, like, you know, people don't do the, you can't see me thing. Um, no, no one uses a lot of these, these other catchphrases from, I mean, other than the, and his name is John Cena meme, um, which was kind of like a weird, ironic thing that kind of popped in there. Uh. A lot of the wrestlers now have catchphrases, and they're at the—they're not quite at the "Hey, Hey, Ho, Ho" Miz and Morrison level. Oh, um, but like they're also not that far removed from it. Like "Hey, Hey, Ho, Ho" Miz and Morrison is, um, oddly uh, emblematic of the caliber of a lot of these the catchphrases.
1: Yeah, they're and disp- they—they're they disposable. As, yeah, they view it as a success because oh, it's audience interaction, and it's like, well, okay, but it's not.
0: So, like, I'll give you one, and, and this is this is from a wrestler I like, Adam Cole, right? Adam Cole, bebe, um, it is doing some work for Adam Cole in the sense that Adam Cole is a pretty generic name, like Adam Cole is like Adam Page, like Adam Rock, Adam Stone, you know, like the any any number of short.
1: Chris hates people named Adam. I, I don't hate
0: people named Adam. Uh, you know, like, uh, but, but sometimes you don't know him from Adam, uh, as it were, uh, or as the people might say. Anyways, the point is, Bebe is doing an important thing to distinguish Adam Cole from the other Adams in the mix here in professional wrestling, and lo, there are many. But I can't go Chris Novanbrino, Bebe, uh, but I can go if you smell what the is cooking. I, I don't, but, like, you, you, you can. Um, that's the bottom line cause Stone Nove said so.
1: It works better if you smell what the hawk is cooking. So. Okay, yeah, oh, that's true. That's God. true.
0: But like, yeah, I, I mean, like, and, and like, even down like SmackDown Hotel. The fact, I mean, SmackDown got included in the dictionary. I mean, now like that—that's getting easier and easier to do these days. Uh, including just straight up uh, negations like Irregardless, Jeff. I'm over it. I'm over it. It's not bothering me. I'm not bringing it into my work. Uh, but. It, th- WWE wrestlers now are not creating words like that and, and not creating catchphrases that pop into the popular zeitgeist. So it's not really cool to reference it. Even right down to like Flair's, woo! You see NBAers do that. But, I mean, the last person who actually had that connection with popular culture in WWE was Daniel Bryan. And the company couldn't get away from that as like fast enough for their own liking. Yeah, uh, remember with uh, the, uh, the yes, uh, San movement. Francisco. Yeah, the yes mm-hmm. movement stiff connected with the Giants. the guy mm-hmm. from the Giants was doing yes.
1: Yeah, and they they, and they, they haven't and they, had they
0: anything like that since it's been a desert.
1: And they wouldn't cash in on it. That, that no. was the thing that killed me. It's like no, you make this a bigger thing. You start with like when they did that. I my question was could they make this into guerrilla advertising, and do so much more with it like you have street teams putting up yes stickers just yes. all over walls or whatever and really like the make uh this...
0: remember the andre the giant has a posse yes stickers? exactly just yeah like which, which had nothing to do with wrestling like that was just something else but like that kept andre the giant in people's heads if you were of a certain generation because like dude i used to see those andre the giant has a posse stickers everywhere um yeah I think if they had capitalized on that, maybe going back to what we were talking about earlier in the show, the ratings and this steady downward arc over the last several years, I'm not saying that Daniel Bryan alone could have saved the industry, but maybe Daniel Bryan um, and sustaining the Yes movement would have given the industry, um, and particularly WWE, enough juice to launch another character. Maybe if they had pushed Bailey the right way. Um that would, And you had Bailey and Daniel Bryan as the flagship people for this last decade here. Maybe they'd be in a different place. Maybe well, their
1: ratings would be different. What you saying is stronger. you want likable baby faces, and that is a perfect segue into wrestling talk.
2: Yeah. Because we let's
1: have do it. Drew McIntyre coming out doing a weird John Cena like promo about lasers and stuff. And then it turns out he's just a bad friend because Heath Slater comes out. Cuts the promo of his career. I loved Heath Slater. Heath Slater, a guy who knows how to get over no matter what situation you put him in. And I now I want to see if he can go in the ring because they never really gave him that aspect of it. But... I again, also think he looks
0: tougher, a little bit older. Like, he he has the thing that happens for some dudes where it's like the, the wrinkles and the skin gets a little bit older, but, like, it doesn't like he was so like young looking when he was younger like yeah he he's a little yeah.
1: darker yeah you see a no. little bit more of the freckles and the age yeah, spots coming like into some
0: reason. the grizzling looks good on him mm-hmm. yeah no it looks good on him it gives him some toughness um working from under like you know it, it just he seems like a guy you could really sink your teeth into now. When if he chose to go heel, and also a guy you could really sink your teeth into now as a babyface, because you're pulling for this dude, and you could like really feel his struggle. Um, I yeah, I'm interested to see if he can go in the ring because if he can, this is a, this is a a talented dude. Um, that I, I think certainly WWE has been missing the boat
1: on. He's not coming to WWE. I think he's going to TNA, and because they, they, he he was there. Not under contract. He was there at the behest of Drew, who wanted to help his friends. Um, that's backstage. On screen, though, Chris, he's a man so consumed with success and being the alpha, he doesn't call his friends, and that is such a that is such a Vince trademark. And now we get into this Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle type thing. Where? <laughs> How come you didn't call me, Drew? I called you when you were fired. Um,
0: it's yeah, weird, I, like, and this is very much Vince's conception of like what being a, a strong successful. dude is. Yeah, successful yes. and strong, or whatever. But like, for all of us, we look at this and go, "Wow, that's a total dick move, sort of thing."
1: Jerk move. He beats him in like three seconds. Because- yeah, I mean, That's the
0: other thing. So you see, then you put in all this equity into he's Slater just to wipe it off the. I, I mean. And, the and the moral of the story away. was what? Yeah, the, the Drew walks away <laughs> and only comes back when he sees that Heath is getting attacked. So, like, I mean, it, it's just...
1: And then the, Slater's, like, all cool with it. And you're just like... All right, look, none of you have ever been in a friendship that crumbled and then got And they together. didn't really
0: explain Ziggler's manipulation of yeah. Slater's mindset either. Like, there were, there were clear beats missing in this story. Like, th- what there really needed to be was a scene before this scene where Ziggler is talking to Slater, and, like, they have an extended interaction, and then we build to this interaction between Heath and Drew and Ziggler. Like, if you're really
1: going to go into the Heath Slater was fired and now he's back for this one shot, I mean, go all the way in. Have him come back go, Look, I, d- I didn't really want to come back here because everybody knows he was let go. I think everybody knows that. I don't know. <laughs> everybody you know, because I think Vince is just assuming, oh, we'll just bring out Heath and nobody will know the difference. But, you know, I'd go hard in the skid. I'd go, hey, you know what? I don't feel comfortable being here. I'm not really employed here, and you kind of do kind of a weird heelish Drake Maverick type thing, where you go, "Hey, you're going to get a title shot tonight because I'm going to talk talk him into it, and if you win, you get your job back."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ziggler Ziggler sets all of this up and really kind mm-hmm. of gets into Heath Slater's mind. Like, I, I mean, but then then what you need to do is have a semi competitive match against Drew McIntyre. It doesn't need to be very long, but at least for the first. Three to four minutes of the match, Slater really needs to be wailing playing through his aggression in absolute desperation mode. You have to Um, buy
1: into the possibility he can win.
0: That he might be able to eke this one out because Mm -hmm. he's being so like savage on Drew.
1: Which is gonna be a very ironic line coming from me because when we get into AEW talk, that's their big problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like I mean, this became this was like not even a squash match, really. Uh, you know, it's like Drew barely it was broke. worse a, than a
1: squash yeah, match. Yeah.
0: Drew barely broke a sweat.
1: You broke. You, you built up a guy as talented and then you beat him in two seconds.
0: Yeah. It, okay. it, it was uh, like one could be forgiven for forgetting they even had a match.
1: Chris, or Andrade and Angel Garza the new Sing brothers?
0: <laughs> it sure feels like it. Um that they... Randy
1: Orton stuff is not helping them.
0: No, <laughs> no. I mean, he made them both look like goobers. And I, I mean, here's the thing. I think Randy is actually legitimately respectful of these dudes. It doesn't, you know, he wasn't trying to bury them. He's just given material that does nothing but bury them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's one of those weird things. And it's also just because of the height dynamic. Yes. That just feels like okay, we're building these two up for a tag team title shot, but we're also putting red shirts on them at the same time. And then yeah, you have the bicker, and the bickering is supposed to be character development.
0: That's the thing is, it, it's the thing that really red shirts them is the fact that like what he's really doing is he's just completely stepping over Zelina Vega's head. And it makes it look like he can come in and manipulate all three of them rather effortlessly. With the assistance of uh, the mushmouth Brick Flair,
1: yeah, and Big Show being involved in this, it's like it's a 2000, <laughs> 2010 angle all of a sudden.
0: And Show has had times here in the last decade where he's actually turned in okay in ring performances, but like this is not one of these periods.
1: And then finally, the highlight of Raw for me—anything uh, involving. Aunt Pam and Sasha and Kyrie and Oscar. Uh, looks like Kyrie Sane might be sticking around a little longer. I don't know. We kind of we had legitimate reports that she was going to be on her way out. So, but I loved I loved the Kyrie Sasha match. I loved the Oscar Bailey match. I I, uh, I I wanted clean finishes, but I understand that they're promoting storyline up until Extreme Rules, and that's fine. Um, that, that back fist by Oscar and Bailey, <laughs> man, woo. and and I wish she had kept character. I wish she had kept character, but I understand that it
0: these... would be legitimately surprising to realize that you just hit someone with that much force. Yeah. She, I... she way later.
1: Bailey's just a trooper. I mean, she, yeah, she, no, she, I... <laughs> she knew she got hit and she went out of the ring to try and compose herself and found it. But man, that thing, I went, woo. But Hell I, yeah, I that was it. a
0: potato, man. That, yeah, no, I, I mean, I would not...
1: And they were already hitting each other pretty hard to begin with. No, but
0: with. that that one would have uh, been a shock because that was, like, right to the, the cabeza. Yeah, that was, that was a lot.
1: I am here for the tag match on Monday. I loved the uh, insane elbow from the top to the floor. It looks like they took... God, it looked like Bailey took the brunt of that one, too. Um, yeah, I... I th- these these four women can can fight forever, and I'd be and, happy. And they with all it. seem to
0: be having fun right now That's, too. L- yeah, like you know, it, when Sasha's not having fun, we all know about it. Um, th- there's a weird picture I
1: have. It's it's the pinned one on my tweet on my Twitter of Bailey watching the Sasha match with this just crap eating grin on her face and flexing her arms, and you just all four of them are having the time of their life doing this. This, this looks like whatever it's going to be, this is playtime versus this is work. And they're doing things that they want to do. And they're doing matches they want to do. And you can just see it in the work. And it's so, this is part of what gets me jacked up for this. It's not that the obnoxiousness is always great. It's not that the matches are always five-star classics. No, no, no. It's like they're having fun.
0: Quality and entertainment comes from what you're saying. The performers having fun. Um, And and if you look back to, like, a lot of the great matches from yesteryear or whatever, sometimes it was true that, like, Brett and Sean could hate the hell out of each other in real life um, and also somehow turn in magic in the ring. But in a lot of cases, the best in-ring wrestling stuff were guys, all of them, having fun. And really, legitimately enjoying working with each other. Yeah, like, Ed like and Christian, all... the, the the Dudley Boys, and the Hardys actually enjoying working with each other. The Undertaker or... and Mankind actually enjoying working with each other.
1: Or even on the promo front, when you watch those like <laughs> cocaine fueled mid eighties territory things, where they're just they're just having fun ragging on each other
0: on oh, the yeah, mic. Yeah, totally. Right, like I mean, if and, you watch and...
1: oh, if you ahead. watch Bailey before Sasha came back and look at how she's floundering to find her character and where she is now it's night and day it's absolutely night and day
0: yeah um and you, you go back to the rock and roll express uh cornet with uh midnight express when when like a lot of these guys are having fun interacting with each other the, the promos just sort of write themselves mhm yeah and and then the interactions like the little funny zingers and like throwaway lines and stuff, the stuff that like you don't remember, even when you're doing a recap show like this, but all the little stuff, it just falls into place and you can't contrive it. And if you sat there and tried to write, you can't write organic. It's really, really, really hard. Organic just happens.
1: I look, I will be forgiving of a segment as stupid. And it was unredeemably stupid, but fun. When they interview the Kabuki Warriors and Kyrie starts playing the theme on the recorder and Asuka's just dancing to it and you're watching this going, if anybody walked in the room right now, I'd probably flip the channel. Or I'd say, This is hilarious. Come sit down and watch it. I you know, I <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but they're they bought into it and they're having a blast doing it, and I'll I'll be forgiving of that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm on board, and and the work is good. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing.
1: Yeah, consequently on SmackDown, I thought Alexa and, and Nikki have great chemistry with uh, Bailey and Sasha as well. I, I really liked this. <laughs> Nikki is just so weird that that it's it's gone through the it's gone through the looking glass of me hating it for a while, and now I just love watching her just be insane. I like
0: how much Nikki bothers Bailey and <laughs> Bailey is doing a very good job selling the annoyance in the front. Like, just like, what is wrong with this person? Um, Like in the same way that like Nikki in certain ways is like a, a bizarro version of the way Bailey used to be. Um, yeah. Particularly, particularly as a baby face, um, like really ecstatic, really wants, you know, to be a champion. Like, like it has many of the same, character traits that Bailey once had. And so Bailey now as a heel has the revulsion of seeing oneself in the mirror or seeing the way one used to be.
1: And if you watch that tag match, you can see both Sasha and Alexa needling each other too, which is, which is funny on many, many fronts, but you can just see it. And the interplay, even if it's just on screen is just so fantastic. I I'm loving the women's division is really keeping me. Uh, into the main it forgives roster the
0: men's division yes. here on WWE because like I mean you know on we're on SmackDown here so well, you're not we'll big stay.
1: into a swamp fight
0: I'm not into <laughs> a swamp fight but I gotta tell you the Jeff Hardy stuff oh is it's. One who needs to see this much Jeff Hardy, uh, in 2020 right now. No, like some knock on Jeff Hardy. Um, who needs to see that this much Jeff Hardy? Who needs to see this much Sheamus? Some knock on Sheamus here too. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna say no knock on Sheamus, or obviously I'm knocking them a little bit. Um, but, God, this angle is, it's tacky, and and the defense is well, I like tacky in professional wrestling. This is even like entertaining tacky. This isn't building to something tacky. And like, I'll just say this for my own personal life. I, I don't drink. I'm sure I've mentioned that on the air. But the reason I don't drink is not because I had a drinking problem, but because I have known so many people who have had a drinking problem and how serious that stuff is. And, and it ultimately kind of, uh, and I, you remember my original co-host, uh, when I was first starting here on stipulation? Yes. Yeah. 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 The drinking problem. That's a reason why he's not doing radio anymore. Uh, he like completely fell off the wagon. Um, Like, this stuff does ruin people's lives, and so it's not fun. It's not like I can't watch it, but I don't enjoy watching addiction and stuff being made light of, and I think it's an unenlightened way to look at this stuff. And oh, by the way, right now in America, like, opioid addiction is a real problem. This is something that, like, probably is affecting viewers, and you have Vin sort of, like, poking fun at it and having fun at it and the heels having fun at it. And I just, who gains from this? I I think you can, whatever heat you're getting off of this, you could get a completely different way without doing this.
2: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, club.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: It's that combined with the fact that Jeff Hardy has been on this roster for, what, 20 years, give or take? And he still goes to the top rope and gets distracted by somebody coming on the Titan Tron? <laughs> you know? and, and, it's it, it's it's the insulting And the fact part that you're combined... using
0: Irish, the Irish wrestler Seamus, as the guy to encourage <laughs> him to drink.
1: Yeah, <laughs> That's not. A, no, Chris, that's not a stereotype. What are you talking about?
0: Uh, he has like Guinness posters <laughs> on his wall and stuff. I mean, that's <laughs> rough that might be his like actual. Guys, outside. we're being
1: we're being too subtle with this. What can we do to add uh, to? You know what? If we put beer posters in the background. Yeah, maybe so, that'll like... hit hit it home.
0: You know, I, I I'm just someone who's not. I wouldn't say I'm easily offended, but like, I mean, you could you're like you're stacking <laughs> layers. You're stacking layers of offensive material on top of each other, each one of which you might be able to get past. But like at a certain point, I'm just like, this is low key one of the most tacky angles they've run on WWE television probably in the last five years, and I don't you know think it's really being appreciated. Week, Chris, as Such
1: Chris, next week we could send him to rehab, and we'll just have. We'll have Seamus come in attacks with a bar. Rehab. Yeah,
0: <laughs> pours. He's he's in rehab and he's meeting with a psychologist. Seamus busts into the psychologist's appointment, knocks out the psychologist, and just starts pouring Jack Daniels in Jeff Hardy's face.
1: No, he offers the shrink a drink, and he and, and, and he the shrink starts drink. drinking. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. I I love
1: booze. Absolutely. What's your brand of cocktail? I'll take an old fashioned if you have one. Sure thing. Come up. Shake, 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 shake. (laughs) That's comedy, pal.
0: Yeah, no. So, I I mean, I I, I hated this. Also, like, if you're going to have Jeff Hardy have a match with either Miz or Morrison, please, John Morrison. Please, John Morrison and not the Miz. (laughs) Let Miz talk. Let John wrestle.
1: The men's tag, I thought, redeemed things because before the men's tag, even though there was no finish to it. Um, at Lacey least...
0: Evans uh,
1: oh, and... Chris, oh. is karaoke not a good basis for a wrestling feud? And especially two heel turns within the same segment? <laughs> so... <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we have Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Naomi, and... Tamina and Tamina out there. Tamina the rules. Russo's cut off. Yeah, Tamina three was of the amazing. Four. They cut off three of the four. They all start fighting. Lacey starts fighting Naomi, but then Dana Brooke comes in to to help Naomi. Tamina tries to break it up. Dana Brooke then turns on Tamina. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was very weird to have um, Lacey be presented as a heel.
1: Yeah, when she had just turned baby.
0: Right, and they—they, they, I mean, we've always had issues with her baby presentation. But like, here's an issue. Um, and then, yeah, Dana Brooke—they had been making her a, a wacky, zany, likable, mm-hmm. uh, baby face character, and she comes out as the honky-tonk man. And, and, and is it? Here, here's another way of thinking about this. Is it that the babyface heel dynamic was determined purely by who you were
1: karaokeing I, th- <laughs> I think so. I think they would. All right, heels are going to he- sing heel songs. Babyfaces are going to sing babyfaces songs. Yes,
0: and, and and so, I mean, the other thing is... And let's so we're not...
1: thoroughly confused by what Tamina was right now.
0: And, and, and it might not matter next week. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I, which is a running problem on this show. But um, Lacey Evans's, uh inability to... Sing country, like I. I hope that was heel singing. Is, is all I can say. I mean, obviously, uh, Dana Brooke as Honky Tonk Man was heel singing. I was not. I'm. I'm hoping that the plan was for Lacey to heel sing because uh, if that was real sing. oof.
1: Really, they needed that bar from last week's SmackDown out there before anybody sang because karaoke should only be done after a couple of cocktails.
0: Yeah, and, and that uh, that bartender. I hope he's okay.
1: I hope he's okay. We didn't get an update on him. Yeah, We I'm didn't so get an sad update about on the him. Continuity. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Smug bartender. <laughs> um, but no, the main event was good. Uh, you know, Cesaro and Nakamura and the New Day also seem like guys kind of similar to
1: Nakamura, born again hardcore.
0: Yeah, right. No, and this is my my cop here is it's it's like what's going on in the women's division right now, where they're enjoying the pairing that they're in. They feel like they're in some degree of creative control here and like it's just not being overwritten um after after Cesaro and Nakamura were broken off from Sami Zayn and there was less writing going into the stuff that they were doing every week it it just ended up working out a little bit better and Cesaro now is kind of filling in the charisma vacuum that like initially was there and like and Nakamura has – he's got swagger. It's just like you know, you can't have him saying everything. Um, You have to have Cesaro doing a little bit of the talking here too.
1: Yeah, just make him a badass. That's all yeah. you have to do. All you have to do is make people badasses and people will watch.
0: But, yeah, like a two-thirds, one-third talking dynamic where like Cesaro says like two-thirds to maybe even 75% of the, of the words. And then when Nakamura speaks, he says something cool.
1: Yeah, make, and make them – offset them to the New Day's <laughs> – all the new days promos are are biggie trying to make the interview a corpse i've i've come to this conclusion if you look at his facials when he's doing it what he's doing with his body if you watch that interview when Sh- schreiber's inter- introducing him and you just watch what biggie's doing in terms of mad dogging sarah at that time um <laughs> no there's yeah, there's a, there's a, a the- lot of
0: joking on the square that has really populated the new day act Especially especially coming from Big E. Big E is a big, uh, joking-on-the-square kind of guy. Mm
1: -hmm. But but I have no problem with they're here to have fun as long as you counterbalance that with they're here to kick ass and make money.
0: And also that there's some substance underneath it, like... It it would be one thing to superficially just read the pancake stuff and some of the other stuff that they do, like you could just read it on one level. But like, there's clearly uh, there's clearly layers to the New Day act. Um, I think some of which is not even appreciated by uh, people backstage. Yeah,
1: there's a subversive thing to to the New Day that 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 people aren't catching on. Yes.
0: Yes, I I think for especially for you and me, like other people who are a little more savvy with wrestling and know you know kind of what's going on in the industry and all that stuff, um, that also gives us something to have a little bit of fun with too. Like they've they have found a way to um put a lot of wrinkles into their act and appeal to a lot of different audiences.
1: So Fighter Fest Week Two or the Great American Bash. Week two. Which word do you like to go to?
0: Well, I mean, Fighter Fest did win in the demo.
1: (laughs) All right, The Great. I loved the eight-man tag. I didn't love it as much as a lot of people did, but it was pretty damn fantastic. My, I I get the story of the match. The story of the match is that FTR and the Young Bucks do work great together, but the miscommunication is what's going to undo them.
0: Yeah, these are great wrestlers with personalities that are explosive and combustible.
1: Uh, Ray Phoenix with that Canadian destroyer to the outside was something. uh, (laughs) My one concern was they love putting the butcher in these positions of do something strong right now. And you can tell he's kind of tired.
0: He gets lost, too. Uh, I I like like. I think the Butcher's got potential. I think he's got a good look, too. Yes. Um, but men he with also, monocles,
1: big burly men with monocles. I'm all about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's kind of kind of got a big bully Busick thing going a little bit. Busick, uh,
1: he has that Ole Anderson, Stan yeah. Hansen. Yeah, he's got you a know, look. The,
0: yeah, he's got a great look, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I dig him. it. Uh, but there are definite points in this match, especially when you're working with like the Young Bucks and FTR and all these other teams that have really great timing. The Butcher does not have that yet. Um, And that's stuff that only comes with spending years in the ring. Um, And also, you know, some natural, uh, natural ability, too. Um, And I think the butcher is working from a shallower reservoir of natural ability. And so he needs some time um, to kind of really build up. And also, he needs to be put in spots where he can really excel.
1: And they just need to do. I mean, for me, it's one of those things where. How do I put this? Modern day tag team wrestling revolves around so many set pieces that I think the butcher is so much of a throwback. If it was just a kick punch, beat a guy down type of thing, it would be so much simpler for him to do that. It's like having Mongo in there. Yeah. And putting him up against luchadors. And you don't want that. you
0: know? Well, you know what the issue... Okay, so, like, I mean, obviously, Mongo has many issues. And we're all in love with the That's Our Mongo. And he's account. better than
1: Mongo. Oh, yeah, okay, no, no, wrong.
0: for sure, for sure. Um, But, like, one of the big issues with Mongo is that, like, Mongo would try to, like... Uh, one of the many issues, uh, other than, like, having happy feet and all, all the other things, is he try to fly around, right? Like, you he try to move around too much. Um, And I think, you know, with The Butcher... What does he need to do? Big, long, stalling suplexes and, you know...
1: Power su- moves. All he needs to do is Deliberative body
0: moves. slams. Uh, you know, uh, stuff that looks really painful, Um, particularly because it's slow and deliberative.
1: Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> it's... I don't know. He's, he's a guitar player, not a bass player, but I'm thinking of a musical reference where it's like, okay, you want a bass player to have a solid bass line. You don't need them to be Flea or Les Claypool all the yeah, time.
0: Yeah, Jaco Pistorius. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, when when I, was I was going to school weird. up in Denton. Um, one of the big issues back in the day is like, when I would try to find a bass player. I would, <laughs> I used to ask him what they thought of Jaco Pistorius, Jeff, because I, I played with one guy who was very obsessed with him and, like, most impossible dude to play with in the world. Talented guy, good bass player, but um, not Jocko. The, when the do I who... get
1: my solo? You're the bass dude, player. <laughs> he would change the mix so that he's like all up
0: in the mids and stuff, and it was like smothering my guitar, and then he would also just go meandering super high into the frets, into the guitar range, and it's all over the place, and it's very hard to work with and only works kind of well on its own. Um, you To know, get Ke- back to the butcher here, what I'd like to see him do more of is, a set. you remember Kevin Sullivan used to do the Tree of Woe? Mm-hmm. Butcher should incorporate the tree of woe as one of his signature spots and moves that kind of have that level that vibe.
1: Clotheslines, suplexes, belly to backs, things that cause a lot of pain because he is a butcher and then work up to one day on a pay-per-view he can do a somersault tope off off the off the top rope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. because everyone's got to do one eventually i mean he's got to do
1: one eventually but i only want him to do it once you know i only want him to do a moonsault once ever in his career anything like that because that stuff amuses me but overall i just want to be a, a guillotine
0: leg drop um because he is the butcher it makes some sense
1: let blade be the technical guy let him be the power guy and use that dynamic
0: but no, I, I, I thought that this match was, I mean, beyond extremely watchable. This was this mm-hmm. is a good match. It, it did suffer from a little bit of, like, you know, the indie rific uh, yeah. Sometimes you're not clear who's in the ring at this time. Maybe there's too many people in this match sort of issue. But I, you're trying to tell a story about the Young Bucks and FTR. And I, I mean, I think that story, the beats of that story were clear enough in the presentation that I, I one would have to have been deliberately trying to miss it.
1: And I think they're going a little too quick to FTR versus the Lucha Brothers. I get that this is a match-based thing, but we are just burning through matches right now, and I'm like, I, I
0: completely agree. Um, I, I, think I, want, I want all to the build FTR for this kind build. of thing. I want, uh, they're I also want apparently things, teasing a uh, Rock and Roll Express versus FTR thing here.
1: Oh, with Ricky Morton on Twitter.
0: Yeah, Ricky Morton's teasing something.
1: I'm fine with that. I'm, I am I mean, fine with that
0: too. Um, I just, I, I mean, FTR is. I, I like all of the ideas and all of the pairings conceptually. I just think the execution of them is generously, extraordinarily rushed.
1: Yes. And I I don't think they've gotten themselves over on the mic. I think they're trying to get them over in the ring, and we already know they're great wrestlers. I want them to be a great presence. Yeah, in this and division. I also
0: want to have a, some sort of strong connection with them one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's like super in the middle. And the problem with in the middle is that you don't feel one way or the other.
1: Chris, my problem with AEW right now is that there's a common trope within their match structure. And this comes from having a WCW Nitro-era mentality where your mid card is there to put over your stars, but in doing so they have a great match. You know, it's the underdog goes against the star and almost beats him, but it never, but that never really gets over the underdog and it never really elevates the star. And you're getting that a lot with the Janella versus murder Hawk. You kind of had that with Ricky, uh, uh, kid from NWA that I'm, can't remember his last name oh uh ricky starks ricky starks versus cody jungle boy versus cody um here you had it with private party versus uh omega and page and you kind of had it with orange cassidy and jericho and it's fine if you do it once in your main event and it's your main event and you're trying to get over that guy because i thought orange Cassidy versus jericho was great don't get me wrong. I love yeah, it. Yeah,
0: we'll table that because I, I I have more thoughts on Orange okay. Cassidy and Jericho. But if
1: you do it three times a show, it loses its effectiveness to me.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, with Private Party, like, let's start there. Um, I thought that that match had some issues. Um, I, I think that Private Party has a hard time kind of hitting their beats and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And they just – and also, once you beat them, like, and you beat them in that way, I don't – how do they come back from that?
1: Right, they they We're gonna have a feud with the best friends or butcher and the blade.
0: Right, what's and the build rebuild for private again, party? But... Yeah, and and you paired them with Matt Hardy to manage them uh, to kind of give them that extra shot in the arm. Um, and theoretically, like at least if I was booking that match, Matt would he wouldn't have like helped them get the win, like in the sense of cheating to help them get the win, but. Matt would have, you know, it, the story should have been like essentially uh, this, this should have been to me where Omega and Paige broke up. Um, it, because otherwise Private Party has nowhere else to go. I'm not saying that Private Party is a main event tag team. Um, I, I, I don't think they are. I, I think that they, they need to, they got,
1: they just, Quinn,
0: it, it, Quinn's the, Quinn's the good one, right?
1: I think they're both good. I, I, I one's, think Quinn's, One's better the than more, the other. I can't remember. My Quinn I is the more flashy one. Yeah,
0: Quinn, one. Quinn's got something. But, like, there's just a bunch of stuff. Like, it all needs to be dialed down, um, and they need to have more of a... They do moves. Yes, right. They do that, moves. That's
1: my issue with them is they do moves. They don't do matches. They do moves.
0: Right. And there's certain, like, even the quote-unquote beats in their matches... Aren't even like beats, as in narrative beats. They are literally like, okay, he's going to do the silly string.
1: Yeah. Um, um
0: I just, I think, uh, I think they need to be workshopped a lot. Um, I don't
1: think Matt Hardy brings a lot to the act. I don't I'm think he brings
0: anything to the act unless Matt Hardy is going to tell them that they need to change stuff up after this. Like this loss shatters Private Party and. They go okay. We need to, you know, maybe, maybe the party needs to be shuttered for a minute, and we need, you know, something, something to get them a little bit more. I
1: gotta be honest. Unless Jeff Hardy's coming in as Matt Hardy's partner, I don't see the, I don't see the point.
0: I, I agree. I agree. Um, and you know, if Jeff, Jeff, who would blame Jeff for wanting to get off of WWE television at this point?
1: Uh, I've tabled Orange Cassidy and Jericho. I'll get through my other two points. Um, sure. It's a tale of two managers, one who hasn't appeared yet and one who is killing it. I love Taz, I I do. He's so I'm, good. He he brings, he, he brings um how should I how should I doom, foreboding menace. Evil. He's menace. menacing. That's the word I'm looking for. The yeah. menace that I'm missing like without Jake, being evil Jake brings menace but he brings that mustache twirling horror movie menace right Taz brings I'm going to take you in the alley and kick your ass menace and, he, and he's like
0: laughing at you like ho 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 you're screwed kind of menace and like when he's laughing at you like he actually means it but, yeah with with Jake it's like I might pull out the snake
1: yeah I'm i'm evil versus i'm violent is is jake versus taz and i have no problem with the ftw belt i have no problem with belts as long as they mean something and if they make the ftw belt mean something i'm perfectly okay with it yeah i've, yeah, I, I've I, lived I think through a territory it, system yeah. where everybody had a belt and they all meant something because everybody was in a feud i'm good with that
0: it worked for million dollar man
1: Yeah. I mean like the million
0: dollar belt, the million dollar belt, like, I mean, not every presentation of the million dollar belt angle, but like the million dollar belt, like it did something and, and, and and like a prop belt can do something, but you could also introduce the FTW title as, as a specific title and give it its own set of stipulations or whatever. Like, like, so I'm, um I'm intrigued by this. I think Taz is just crushing it. I I, I completely concur with you Of, of all the people who are managers right now. Um, you know, I think Taz is probably the strongest manager of any manager across promotions, and like I really like Malcolm Bibbins, but they're not doing a ton with him at that point. Or, and I like,
1: like Tully, and they're not doing anything with him. They have him with an act that is mid card at best.
0: I mean, Taz is better. Taz is better yeah. than Tully. I like Tully, um, but I think I mean, Taz, Taz just. Like, that was awesome. Like, he did a great job this week. Uh, I, I've got no other notes other than, like, I I think he plays well off of Cage. And I love the fact that, like, they've worked in this little tribute to Chris Canyon into, like, their whole act. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I lived through my my first couple years of wrestling fandom. You had <laughs> the Mid-Atlantic tag titles, the national tag titles, the world tag titles, the NWA national title, the the u.s title the world title the brass nux title the tv title and they all have their own little feud and you know they, they could get you excited for a ron bass versus manny fernandez match I'm, I'm here for that you know for a for a third rate title you know as long as you have guys who the title means something to them and they're emotionally invested in the feud it's fine and it appears you know. Cage isn't my favorite wrestler in the world, but having a guy who can talk for him makes him exponentially better.
0: And I think if Taz is working with Cage a little bit more on the matches to make his matches more matches and not just moves, because that's always been my knock on Cage as a performer. is It's not that mm-hmm. he can't do good moves. He does do good moves. It's that sometimes, um, not all the time, because there were several Lucha Underground matches I really liked with him, um, right up to and including the one where he tore the belt in half. Um, he has matches that are good matches, but sometimes he also has matches that are just a sequence of power moves, um, without any coherent plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm he just thinking... wants to show
1: off his strength.
0: And the other person I'm guessing you want to talk about was, uh, Nyla Rose and her hypothetical manager.
1: I hope that they use somebody they already have. I, I'm, I am now ready for an intergender stable of some kind. We're kind of getting that with the, with the dark order with, uh, Anna J. eventually.
0: Yeah, right, right. I don't
1: think we need another legend attached to wrestler. I think it's going to be Vicky Guerrero. I think I think they're and I I don't like you know, I'd much rather I have no problem with a man managing a woman. I don't. I I think they they're doing that to kind of keep it make it seem like it's empowering, but to me it's more pandering than anything.
0: Um what I enjoyed the best part of this promo cuz uh I, the Nyla stuff, it, like, right down to the squash match. Um, I it just none of it's doing anything for me at this point. The best part of this whole sequence was uh, when it cut to Penelope Ford. At one point, she's like, "Wait, is it me?" And then Kim Sabian <laughs> was like, "You've already got a manager, baby."
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I He's did like great. that. I, I hated the Nyla Rose is going to make an announcement, and then she comes out and goes, "I'm going to have my match do all the talk." I go, "No, I was, I was promised an announcement. I, I want an announcement, please." I just I, I hate I hate that trope. that trope is just it's dead, it's buried. Have them cut a promo.
0: yeah, um and I just I, the squash match I, I, like Rose is a little bit uh kind of dead in the water here and I, I mean I my interest in more Nyla Rose versus Hikaroshida is basically at zero right now, and I don't think a managers gonna change that.
1: So what do you want to say about Jericho and Orange Cassidy?
0: Okay, so we loved the build for Jericho and Orange Cassidy, and a big part of the build was built around this idea that Orange Cassidy was going to show a new fire and a new level of intensity, and it seemed like they had caught onto that, that they were focusing on the blood on the shirt. And he comes out, and he's a little whimsical, but then he's kind of a little more serious. He's a little more dialed in. And then the first thing he does is put his hands in his pockets. And then he gets serious. But then later in the match, he puts his hands in his pockets. And let us go back to the Jericho promo from last week, where he was like, if you put your hands in your pockets, I'm going to beat you. Then Orange Cassidy loses. So, like, the build here should have been no hands in the pockets. Orange Cassidy comes down, and he is just pummeling Jericho. Jericho sees an all-new Orange Cassidy. At the end of the show here, Orange Cassidy's standing tall. Jericho is defeated, having underestimated Orange Cassidy. Um, having Thinking that he was getting into Orange Cassidy's head, not getting into Orange Cassidy's head. Now Orange Cassidy's ready for the main event title picture. Now Orange Cassidy can be talked about as an opponent for Cody Rhodes. Now Orange Cassidy can be talked about as an opponent for John Moxley because he has this big signature-defining win over Chris Jericho. Instead, Cassidy makes the mistake of putting his hands in his pockets, not once, but twice. And the first time, and I guess the second time as well, the first time was like a big F-you to Jericho, which he then loses to. Which he then loses to. So, like, the story of this is incoherent. And, yeah, it was great that they did the blood... I mean, it wasn't even a blood spot. It's great that they had this awesome character-defining moment a week ago, but the booking for this match undid whatever characterization you were doing. Oh, he looked good in the loss. Get lost with that. Like, he needed to beat Chris Jericho and, oh, by the way... Chris Jericho, he needed to win. So I don't care about how many near falls he kicked out of. I don't care that he kicked out of the Cold breaker. He didn't kick out of the Judas Effect, that stupid back elbow that Jericho has been phoning in his matches with for the last three and a half, four years. He couldn't kick out of a back elbow, um, a back elbow that you'd be particularly vulnerable to if you had your damn hands in your pockets. So like this match, um, yeah, Cassidy had some good work in it, Jericho had some good work in it or whatever, but this match sucked. Because it didn't actually accomplish what needed to be accomplished for Orange Cassidy.
1: Wow. I did not realize you had that much anger in you about this match. I I thought he I was to ready win. to
0: get invested in Orange Cassidy, and this yeah. match took me out of that investment.
1: I think they're trying to hold off until crowds, and who, who knows when that's going to happen. But I, I just... I, I think he needed to win. I don't think Jericho... Is Jericho gonna hold the the big belt again?
0: I mean, here's the other thing. You know what's where my anger's coming from? It's been all this self indulgent booking around Chris Jericho. Go on. I mean, go uh, the commentary stuff. Pineapple Pete. I hate that guy. I'm gonna get myself over on the microphone. I'm gonna wrestle against a guy who doesn't even talk. If you're gonna wrestle against a guy who doesn't even talk, and you're gonna constantly cut promos or whatever, that guy just needs to shut you up. The guy who never talks needs to shut you up. Um, like maybe because the Orange Cassidy character doesn't really have extended promos available to him as like a, as a tool for characterization, like Jericho needs to be shut the hell up. Um, and and also like Jericho just needs to stop being the center of the show. Jericho's theme song is the most over theme song in the company. Um, like all the, it's Jericho, 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 Jericho. Um, and to a certain extent, yes, I, I know that he's helping to build up some young guys sort of. See, sort
1: of. I see. I'm, I need to cut you off there because I hate that mentality. I, I hate, I hate, 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 hate. If hate were people, it'd be China <laughs> mentality. That if you're in the ring, because this is TNA mentality. It, it's if you were in the ring with a former WWE guy, you become a star.
0: You're getting a rub, and you're not. Yeah. And you're not. Pineapple Pete is Pineapple Pete. Right. Remember, I said like once you get framed. Once you get framed as Pineapple Pete, I hate that guy. Um, Once you get framed as that, that that is a lower mid-card thing. And and Pineapple Pete should have gotten a roll-up on Jericho. Remember what happened to Pineapple Pete? He got goobed. He got goobed Mm -hmm. rather effortlessly.
1: Yeah, and Orange Cassidy got goobed in his own way. I mean, I loved... He kicked out of a breaker, Jeff. He was great. Look, he was great with the focus in the match. He was great with the deflection of the how would you put the uh, the the self-indulgent uh, soft kicks to the shin going into the super kick, the real super kick? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that as a lull, but he has to win this match right. to make it matter. And no, and, and just...
0: particularly because Jericho said, if you put your hands in your pockets, I'm going to beat you. Because of that beat in the promo, which I guess both of them forgot about, once you plant that seed, dude went pockets, he lost. Moral of the like, story is Jericho beat, was right.
1: Who are you going to have beat Jericho for that first singles loss? Jungle Boy? We already did that with the title thing. So right. I, I just, I, I'm i like.
0: Oh, it's, oh it's, God, you know who it's going to be? It's going to be Marco freaking Stunt.
1: I don't think so. I think it's going to be no, Sammy. No, actually, didn't he already beat Marco Stunt? I think it has to be Sammy at this point turning, right?
0: Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe, it, maybe he, yeah, he turns on Sammy. We, we relaunched Sammy as a babyface um but having that's been a, that's
1: a long ways off I just I, I know I mean I, okay we're building up Jer- why does Jericho need to be built he's a known commodity and then get- I mean like
0: you know let's stick with Sammy for a second here so, so then the question is why would it be Sammy or someone else and not Orange Cassidy who seems to be exactly. like to, yeah to me is the guy like he's like this the is the guy, you guy in up. the
1: company and you don't put yeah. him over a star I just I just if you have him lose to Moxley I get this Jericho isn't in the title picture right now. He can be beat. He can be built back up as a cha- as a former champion, but he doesn't need to win this. That's that's what confused me.
0: Yeah, no, I he just there was no reason for him to win this, and then he won. And, and I mean, the most important thing is, so they're putting over that no one's ever kicked out of the Judas effect. I'm sorry, at minimum, at absolute minimum, Cassidy should have kicked out of the damn Judas effect.
1: Yeah, I, I think he should have won. That's me. No,
0: I no, I think he should have won. Yeah, obviously, clearly, I'm angry about that. Um, but like at bare, I mean, the fact that he didn't even kick out of the Judas effect and commentaries putting that over at the end, he's just like all the rest of them. Is the moral of the story. And yeah. if you don't like hearing that about your guy Orange Cassidy, then you should be upset about this match.
1: And it and it also it just strains credulity to have uh, proud and powerful come out there. To interfere. And yeah, okay, Orange Cassie sent his boys to the back. But you don't think they should be monitoring the situation and come out there immediately? Yeah. When they see this? Yeah,
0: they yeah. I mean, when he sent him to the back, he didn't send him to the back and go like, Alright, now make sure I get my ass kicked. It was I don't need your help unless something gets dicey.
1: Mm-hmm. Um And it got dicey.
0: <laughs> and, and where were the what what's the name of that team, Jeff? What are they called?
1: Uh I believe they are called best friends.
0: Oh yeah, where were his friends?
1: Very WWE-like booking.
0: Yeah, very. And, and, and just sloppy storytelling. I, I mean, in, in a okay-to-above-average match with a piss-poor story and a piss-poor conclusion to a story.
1: Okay, we'll finish up with the NXT Great American Bash. Uh, overall, I thought it was good. I thought it was sandwiched by two very good matches with uh, some filling in there that... Uh, uh, what, well, Bronson there, Reed
0: and Tony Nese didn't light your world on fire?
1: Look, Chris, we know, Chris, you are a big fan of Tony Nese. You are a... <laughs> <laughs> that feud must continue.
0: Yeah. Uh, I liked Candace and
1: Mia. I thought they they beat the crap out of each other, and that's all I Yeah, they to sure find. did.
0: That was a good match, I thought.
1: Yeah, I uh, I, I think, look, the histrionics of, uh, of the post-match were a bit much, though. Right? That Just was weird. Yeah, much.
0: yeah. And it was weird because it was going on like picture in picture and stuff, like, and so you had to really be paying attention to her with the chair and stuff in the little small screen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Y- yeah, no. Um, I-, I I thought this was a good match though. Um, I I, I like the story of the match. I, I mean, Candace and uh, Mia work well together, and like this stip worked really good for them. Um, yeah, and and then like, yeah, to your point, Bronson Reed, Tony Nieves. <laughs> Johnny Gargano and Swerve Scott, you know, there's not like... Was it it wasn't, was good. It was I
1: don't, good. I don't, understand, I don't understand what they're doing with Swerve. I got to be no, honest I don't with understand you. With, yeah, was, right. Because when they first debuted him, and then they debuted him in 205, and then they debuted him on NXT, he was hot. And now he's not hot anymore.
0: And it's and I tough, don't like, you know, in the, the fake audience mode. But, like, yeah, no, they don't... They always had a struggle for characterization, but people people just were on board with Isaiah Swerf Scott. Um, maybe maybe almost
1: beat Gulak for the title.
0: Right, right. Yeah. But and that, I mean, NXT has gone through so many reshuffles and resets, and 205 Live as a brand is now basically derelict.
1: Because I watched 205. Oh, you did? I did. I <laughs> it's a ghost it's now ship. Down, it's now down to a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh mansoor versus i want to say it was leon ruff but i might be wrong about that i don't think it was Ruff. it was somebody else it was oh no it was uh it was it was the isaiah swerve scott knockoff you remember that guy oh yeah player?
0: i do yeah oh and then and yeah then you, had a,
1: you had a pretty good uh Oni lorkin versus uh santos escobar match yeah, like that—that
0: that would be cool. That'd be cool, right? Like, like Oni and Santos Escobar. I mean, Oni's great because you could just kind of like drop him into a match. But this,
1: gonna... but, but man, it's in that PC. It's a half hour. It feels yeah. like filler, and they get out of there.
0: Oh yeah, and I mean, look, Oni and Oni and uh, Santos—no n- better than to turn in a level work on two o five freaking
1: live. I mean. well, what did you think of Santos and uh, and the crew against uh, 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 th- 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 Brizongo and Drake Maverick?
0: Uh, like, I think that this was a perfectly serviceable match. I, I just,
1: like... What are we doing with Drake?
0: Yeah, that's sort of my <laughs> issue. It is, like... Why is he I, taking
1: I, the loss? That's right. why thing. Why it's is like, he,
0: he eating Brie the Zango pin there. here? I, yeah, I don't, I don't get, like... It, it's weird because it was, like... The focus of the match from the babyface side was actually on Brizongo and and not on Drake. And so my issue is that you had this, you know, white hot, especially in the context of uh, NXT television, you had the uh, white hot Drake Maverick character. And it is Brizongo who gets the cool fancy pants entrance. Drake isn't even like a part of that. Like, I guess it'd be one thing if you're pairing Drake with Brizongo as like a long term pairing, but you're not. So then Drake eats the pin, and he's the guy who has to go back to a singles competition here. I think the right team won, but I think, like, Fandango should have been eating the pin here.
1: Right, because you want to keep the Drake Maverick chase hot. It doesn't make him hot when you keep and, you know, the worst part. Of, you know the
0: worst part about it is? It's Escobar pinning Drake Maverick.
1: Yes! Yeah. Clean! Not even... Uh, was it clean? I can't even remember that far Cleanish.
0: Clean-ish. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it, there wasn't, like, a... It wasn't a grand cheat,
1: was it like I, a minor Escobar, distraction? Escobar he,
0: he crotched him on a turnbuckle. Oh. Is that cheating? No. I don't think not really. No. no. Yeah. No. I mean, it sucks to fall on on the boys during a match, but um, that's not
1: cheating. Yeah, I just I I Chris, I just want guys under the I, I want young stars, and you don't get that on any of the three brands, and people are saying that that's an issue. You know, with with NXT shotting everything and all your all your stars are 33 and up for the most part i just i don't I don't
0: NXT should be the young stars brand, yes. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. I, I will say, if you want to
1: get a young demo back, it helps to have people who are relatable. That, that's yeah, and, thing. I
0: mean, and, and, and by young stars, what we're saying here because in it, it, 30s is young in the context of wrestling, especially if you look at historically, now it is. yeah, yeah, yeah it for sure. But like, I mean, even Flair and Bockwinkel, these, these are guys who had very strong runs in their 40s, yes. Um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm, in professional wrestling. You I'm, can, not being
1: a, I'm not trying to be ageist here. I'm saying NXT needs to differentiate itself. I'm teasing in out some your way. idea.
0: I'm teasing yeah. out your idea a little bit here. I, I mean, NXT should be the place where the star of the brand is in their mid to late 20s, and 30 is sort of the magic number. Where it's not like, oh, you're too old for this, but like thirty, you know, the thirties main roster age. Um, and, and maybe we bring back veterans in their thirties to help put over the young talent in their early to mid twenties to help get them to that mid or g- to get them to that championship level. Um, in their mid twenties, mid to late twenties. Um, but yeah, uh, this NXT is the brand that Adam Cole should be the champion of from ages twenty five to thirty, mm-hmm. and then moving on to other work. Not because NXT you know, doesn't need him anymore, but because NXT should always be trying to get that person from age 21 to 22 on the track to success for their mid-20s.
1: The Robert Stone brand continues to be the Robert Stone brand.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, What what is to oh, say? Oh, he
1: threw a drink on Damian, or not Damian Priest. No, <laughs> you know, here, here's the thing, here's the thing.
0: I think he's gonna beat him. I think he's Killian gonna be Dane. Killian Dade. I think oh, he's gonna do? get a win. Yeah, I think oh, this is gonna geez. be Robert Stone's first big win, and it's gonna be the thing that he's high over the moon on. Oh god,
1: uh, Mercedes Martinez redebuted No longer from Waterbury, Connecticut, now from the Bronx. I, I, I love. <laughs> it was a wrinkle that only like I noticed. I think, but it's like, are they? I don't know if Mercedes Martinez lives in New York but they're obviously wanting to make her tougher by saying she's from the Bronx as opposed to Waterbury, Connecticut.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so I think, you know, it's good to have a new strong heel in the mix. Um, I think especially like, the idea of Io Shirai versus Mercedes Martinez in like a yes. main event. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm way into it. So like, no, I, I th- this is uh, the start of uh, what I believe is a positive direction.
1: We had Damian Priest on here, didn't we?
0: Did, did he face
1: Grimesy? Or
0: I think he's uh, facing Grimesy next week.
1: Next week, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, We already went through Tony Neeson, <laughs> Unless you have something else to say about that match.
0: No. Uh, I didn't realize
1: they were in a feud. <laughs> I must have missed br- that when No, no, okay. That, they basically set that
0: crap up uh, during like, the pre-show or whatever. Oh. It, w- it was kind of the same thing that they did with uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. It was like pre-show, like... The phony baloney booking, like they didn't do any build. I mean, to that point, this is the type of match that is not NXT takeover worthy. And one thing that they, I mean, they call it the Great American Bash. They didn't call it takeover, but like that that kind of booking is not the quality of booking that we have come to expect from NXT booking, and I think it's hurting their brand.
1: And then to end the show, we had a pretty solid match. I thought I liked Keith Lee oh, versus Adam This is a Adam good Cole.
0: match. Uh, yeah, no, this I I liked this match, man. I thought I thought. That this was the right guy I won. I liked the end beat. I, I as, In terms of his story, comparing it to Jericho and Orange Cassidy and then also keeping in mind the ratings, I think the right. I think a lot of people on Wednesday night made the right viewing decision because they got a much better story and, frankly, probably a better match over here.
1: Trash talk is fine. Cutting promos mid-match is not. That's, no, not, yeah, that's yeah. the thing I'm For just sure. done with because, like, For sure. Sasha used to do this all the time. And I'm just like I, I don't want to see it from Sasha either. I I just it's some people are blaming that saying it's an HBK trope. I I hope it's not because I, I'm I, sorry I,
0: I love you against Ric Flair that we this all goes back. That to was That was
1: fine. That was fine as a right, moment. Right. I to know. End it, but yeah. Just, I, I
0: didn't. I mean, I don't. I, I don't think you can blame it all on that. Like the no.
1: But Cole, Cole,
0: you can't win the big one. Keith. Yeah. Like like beyond everything else, that level of foreshadowing, at least. At least, unlike Jericho and Cassidy, that foreshadowing resolved in the right narrative conclusion.
1: And I, I think this ends up okay, we have Lee with both belts now, but I think we're getting a three way with Cross and Cole. And I think it's a way to have him lose one of the belts.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, I liked the stuff with carrying Cross. I, I even liked the final shot of Cross. Uh, I thought that that was a good way of blocking is, and staging him. They're,
1: they're giving it to him. Yeah. Let's see if he can run with it. I mean, I think he's winning the title. I think he's winning the yes. big belt.
0: No, I th- okay, so I think the matches are going to be there. Let's hope that they actually get this characterization of something that's, like, legitimately cool the, and not goofy.
1: Okay, but that makes Lee a transitional champion. Are you it, okay with that?
0: Yeah, because, I Lee, it, going back to what you were talking about earlier about what this brand is supposed to be about, Lee's not actually the blueprint for this brand. I like Lee. I'm glad that he, you know, achieved his limit. Or, you know, he, he proved that he was limitless. But, like, Keith Lee should be on the main roster.
1: He should have been on the main roster after the Rumble. Yeah, they should have called him up with, with Dajakovic. With, with the Brock interaction. That, yeah. That, 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 that to me yeah, is... right. That, to me, he's colder now than he was in January. That's the weird thing to me.
0: I, I agree. So, I, I mean, I am fine with this because now you have a photo op of him with both belts. He can say that he accomplished something important and notable in NXT and he really shouldn't be there anymore anyways um also having Karrion Cross maybe upsetting him and really presenting it as this big like an upset in the sense that like Cross's rise was so fast like we remember the Tommaso Ciampa match but like to have that visual of him like cutting through Ciampa and then cutting through Keith Lee I think would be strong and striking and actually put some equity into Cross.
1: yeah the problem is you have the Champa problem. You can't ever put him back on TV again. <laughs> Here, you have to move him up or something. If you destroy Lee, nobody will remember that when you introduce him on the main roster.
0: Yes, right. And I know and I think that that's probably true though with Tomaso Champa. Champa should be on the main roster and there's no reason given the circular motions that we have been doing with Seth Rollins and Andrade and Angel Garza and all these other people. There is space for Tommaso Champa. Tomaso Champa Coming up and feuding with Seth Rollins, I'm here for that.
1: Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. Do you break up the Undisputed Era? Do you bring them all up in masse? Do you just bring up Cole and have the other three down there? Because I just, I, I don't see. They I really see dropped Vince. the ball
0: on the faction story.
1: Well, I see Vince coming in, looking at the Undisputed Era, going, they're too tiny. We'll put them with, we'll put them with a real star, and they become red shirts. That's oh, my. Oh, that's, they get
0: paired with Randy Orton. Vin, that, Vince's move, Vince's move would make he would make the undisputed era the henchman of Randy Orton.
1: And then Orton eventually RKO's them all and makes them geeks.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah. The way the way to lo- the go- actually build them would be they'd all gang up on Randy Orton and beat the hell out of him. But or four on one
1: that. against the Big Show and Big Show wins or something like that. Yes. <laughs> I just, no. They I, get I'm, they
0: get Nexus treatment for sure. I
1: don't want them to implode. I don't. You know. I don't think that's a. I mean, if you if you implode them, they just feud with each other for the next two years, and you get great matches, but you don't make any of them bigger stars. this No, act and, like, Roddy's, so not a
0: super, Roddy's not a super babyface, and, like, it, Adam's not a super babyface either. The guy who would be a super babyface out of that whole troop is Kyle O'Reilly. Um, and, um, yeah, and you'd have to build them. You'd have to build them.
1: Well, the cure really is to put them, uh, is to retell the Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan story and put them in that, in the vanity f- fed in smackdown yeah
0: yeah, yeah. i mean That'd that's where they,
1: they'd fit but man i got that fear someone's gonna look at him and go they're too small
0: yeah for sure for they're sure They're good
1: little hands you know
2: <laughs> go
1: well, fight these are all, they're all great cedric. workers yeah these go are fight great workers. cedric and ricochet on main event whoo
0: so yeah cedric cedric in particular i mean like they they have just they've gone all over the place i'm hopeful mvp is going to kind of like Rescue Cedric and give him a little bit of a reset here.
1: They're doing the Apollo Cruz story with him, yeah. which is so weird because it it's is. like, why didn't you pull the trigger here and now you're pulling? Okay, fine. And then Brendan Vink will come down. It'll be <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, the know, one here's week.
0: The- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, here's the thing. I'm I'm kind of into it. Like if they want to build it eventually to Cedric Alexander versus Apollo Cruz, I'm into that. Yeah. Well, you know, I I don't. I don't think WWE has like any real interest
1: standard it. podcast disclaimer, if booked properly. Oh, well,
0: yeah, right. But like I mean, particularly with WWE these days, like it what we were saying earlier with the karaoke stuff, they have whimsy whimsy driven booking impulses. Um oh, and no.
1: Chris, next week we're having a beer pong feud. It'll be great.
0: You and me are or uh Seamus <laughs> and Jeff Hardy? <laughs>
1: Oh, I walked right into that, and I didn't see it coming. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it was a, it was a good week for the grabs. Just, it just there's some uh, there's Look, some there's questionable issues. booking.
0: Yeah, no, there's there's questionable booking in both like the narrative construction and in, I you know I don't want to say t- taste makes you seem like a delicate flower, but like it is like legitimately rotten. It's an
1: upgrade from talking COVID and sexual assault. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah, right, right. No, In it, it, it feels like an improvement compared to where we were. I mean, this feels out. like
1: such a breeze to talk about again. We can just snark on wrestling instead of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you know, it's it, we're only talking about alcoholism being made extremely light of. Jeez, um, oh, <laughs> yeah, only this week.
1: And follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Voices of Wrestling at Voices Wrestling. All one word. VoicesOfWrestling.com, your one stop shop for all fandom, all analysis of every single type of wrestling you can think of. All uh, the of the flat, views. You, you can get of, them all there. Yeah. Uh, plenty of audio. If you, uh, if you only subscribe to us, please do check out the rest of the network. There are some good shows on there. Uh, such as music of the mat the of course the voices of wrestling flagship which (laughs) man if you like your three-hour podcasts that's the place for you because they never they they never fail to give you quality audio for three hours um wrestling omakaze uh open the voice gate everything elite the wednesday night wars just any kind of any kind of fandom you have we have it there Chris also does shows on the political bent. Uh, (laughs) Things are weird right now, but Chris is on top of it.
0: Yes, things are weird right now. I'm on top of it. Um, I just put out kind of like a cool documentary episode about the voice of America. You might want to check that out. It's over at Don't Worry About the Government on on DontWorry.tv on Patreon on Stitcher, on iTunes, and now on Spotify as well. Um, and I'm also going to be like, you know, putting out some of the tracks and stuff that I've been working out over on Don't Worry About the Government. So if you want to check those out, subscribe up. Um, the first one will be dropping on this next upcoming episode that I'm about to tape after we get done here.
1: If you've gotten this far, the Patreon is patreon.com. Slash Shake Them Ropes. Oh, yeah. It's still exists. High wattage is coming back. We're going to celebrate fathers and sons, Jeff. And Chris is going to do a high wattage episode.
0: I, no, I am. I am. I, like, for real. I'm going to tape one later today. I'm put, we're putting it out. It's happening. <laughs>